Hi, this is Adina, and welcome to today's episode of Wonder Your Way to Brilliant, podcast show of courage to be curious. And I have decided to change my intro to the podcast because I had thought in 2020 that I would be taking questions week by week from the Live, Love, and Lead with the Courage to be Curious card decks. And the questions in those decks are fabulous. Um, I use them a lot, as do many of my colleagues and friends. But as you've been noticing, if you've been listening to the podcast, is that the questions since definitely since uh, March have not come from that card deck. So I decided, let me take out that intro and replace it. Because the world circumstances that we're living in right now just really provoke some really, really interesting questions that don't happen to be found in the um, card decks and has felt that we need to take them on instead. And so in today's episode, I want to take on the question that I typically take on every year in July, because when July 4th comes, there's always some kind of newsletter or episode around freedom. And this year, I think it will fall at the time I write a newsletter, so perhaps some of this will be captured there, or perhaps uh, something else will emerge at the time. But I want to take on the question today of freedom, and what does it mean to be free? And I'm going to start, as many of you know, if you're regular listeners, I don't tend to get very political, or you know, I'm much more about what goes on inside of us than what goes on outside of us. But we're living in an environment right now where the two are so linked and what's going on outside is provoking really important questions for us to be thinking about, both externally and internally, and finding the place where those intersect. So I wanna take on this question of what does it mean to be free? And when I think about the origins of this, particularly in our country, you know, I think about where we have in our um, Declaration of Independence and our con- where we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I remember being a small child and listening to that TV show, Schoolhouse Rock, which was meant to tell us about the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, and teach us about those aspects of how the foundations, uh, the foundation of our nation. And what I'm thinking about, and it's not the first time I've thought about it, I'm just happening to say it here, is that, you know, of course, when we set out this notion of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, it seemed wonderful and it meant something very specific to the founders to not be ruled by a king anymore and to not have laws made in which there was no representation. But they were flawed for the whole notion was flawed from the very beginning because the idea of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness did not apply to the original settlers of our nation and certainly at the time did not apply to the slaves that were brought over to create business and and generate um, farming and all kinds of other trades and industries in this country before they were called industries. So we had this notion of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, but from the very first moments, it didn't apply to the original settlers, it didn't apply to slaves, and it certainly didn't apply to women. 
So we had this notion that we were this country, we've sung about it, we've talked about it, we've talked about this great freedom on which this country was built, yet we've still never formally acknowledged as a country that it only applied, of course, to a small subset of people and not to others. And what we're seeing today outside is really the protests that are giving one of the loudest voices ever to the fact that it was a fallacy from the very beginning, that that was never what was true. And as I think about what freedom means, and I'm gonna just provoke a lot of questions here, I can't presume to have the answers to them, but I think the really important questions for us to ask is, what is the freedom that we were actually after at the time, and what does freedom really mean? So we had things like the freedom of speech, the freedom to gather, the freedom of religion. And then we've come up, because it's come to the Supreme Court many times, what does freedom of speech mean? Can we, is hate speech as free as speech that promotes love or promotes you know, anything else? Is hate speech as protected? Is um, discrimination? For a long time, it was protected, right? That we could make choices. We could keep people in separate schools. We could keep people out of certain jobs. And if we didn't do it explicitly, we did it you know, more insidiously than that. And those rights were protected. So you know, what does it really mean to be free? Does it mean to be able to say anything we want to say? Does it mean to be able to hire anybody we want to hire? Does it mean to be able to... Um, you know, walk in the streets safely? Does it mean to be able to love who you wanna love? What does freedom actually mean? And I think for me, and you know, as I said, I'm getting way more um, political in some sense, or at least presenting my perspectives on certain things of political nature than I ever have before. So warning label in case anybody wants to turn it off. But you know what, and I'm the child of an immigrant, so I know this story really well, but it sound, to me as I look back that the freedoms on which this country were really built had much more to do with the burgeoning capitalistic society we were creating and has been much more about the freedom to earn whatever you want to earn and, of course, provided that you were set up to be in a group that could find your way to those earnings. But we became the land of the free. And again, I'm the child of an immigrant who came here with, you know, not a full education, not speaking the language, who grew up in the immigrant, you know, story of, you know, borrow some money and start a business and make a living. And there was a certain freedom to that, of course, that didn't exist in some other places. But it seems to me that the biggest freedom that we have, um, supported, embraced, and protected is the freedom to be able to earn and the freedom to be able to build wealth. And that that has significantly divided us as a society, as a culture, but what has it also done to us as a human species? And has it made us more free? I was recently reading an article that talks about the US compared to Europe. And the percentage of the economy or the money in the economy that is held privately and how much is held publicly. And throughout Europe and in many countries in the world, the percentage of the dollars literally that um, rotate in society are held at a percentage that's 
more like 50% to 50%, 50% public and 50% private. Now, I'm not an economist. I didn't do extensive fact checking on that. But in many other countries, basic things like childcare, retirement, basic healthcare, or even extensive healthcare are provided for out of public dollars because the idea that we would care for the basic needs of all citizens was valued and built into the infrastructure of the economy. Whereas in the US, about 75% of our dollars are held in the private sector as compared in the, in the private sector and only 25% in the public sector. And you know, I saw a very, po a very poignant piece of evidence of this yesterday when I've gone to the post office to try to rectify mail deliveries issues I've been having. And the post office in the United States is almost bankrupt. There are some estimates that it could go out of business by the fall. And it made me curious about our willingness to do things like bail out car companies and bail out banks, many of whom were involved in corruption, but not a willingness to bail out the public postal service that serves and delivers mail to everybody across the country, regardless of how remote or rural or urban or poor or wealthy they happen to be. Um, and so I, I became curious about that. How does that relate to our notion of freedom? Is freedom the ability for some to earn great deals of money and to leave others without access to food, to access to healthcare, to access to safety, to access to you know, education at a good level? Does that make us free? And so I think there became this point at which we convoluted and intermingled this idea, the notions of capitalism and with the notions of freedom and almost made them one and the same, that the way that we interpreted freedom or started to exercise freedom in large part became um, related to our economics. Now, of course, we have social progress, um, but it's interesting to me too, even in those areas where we've made social progress in same-sex marriage and you know, Brown versus Board of Education when we did in the you know, 1950s of desegregating schools, and in many of those cases, in, in some cases, we've certainly made a lot of social progress um, and then at the same time, when we desegregated schools or, you know, we said, talked about people being able to move into what neighborhoods they wanted to, we just found other ways of perpetuating what we were comfortable with on that separation. And so there's been progress in social places, but I, almost, I look at the numbers and I look at the economy and I say, wow, what our freedom has really progressed the most is the ability for some people to accumulate very, very large amounts of wealth while others become you know, poorer and poorer and have access to less and less resources. And does that really make us free? Does it make us free as a country when some are disenfranchised, when some have less opportunity, when some don't have access to healthcare, when some you know, don't have the ability to progress and have access to the things that most of us would say are part of that life liberty and pursuit of happiness. So it's funny, I'm gonna go right in it. And you know, I have even a family member, probably is listening, who says, calls me, says to me, well, that's socialism. And I get curious and I say, I'm not really, you know, entirely sure. I've studied the history and what is socialism and things like that. First of all, I'm not even sure I, I feel badly about that if she calls me that. But you know, the second is 
what has led us to put a term that some of us would turn our nose up to, to an idea that everyone should be cared for and have basic health care. Everyone should care, be cared for and have child care. Everyone should be cared for and have a basic family leave to support families. You know, when did we put a term to that that we might decide is derogatory and um, what has made that a bad thing? So I don't have any answers here. What I wanted to do in this part of the podcast is just provoke the thinking about what does it really mean to be free? How has each of us who, me as the speaker and you as the listener, benefited from this notion of freedom that has been largely couched in the economics of how our country works? You know, what does it mean um, for us when we talk about the will to make change? Much of the will to make change might require some financial change if we truly wanted freedom and equity. Um, would we be willing to do that? And they're really tough questions. They're really, really tough questions. And then, you know, so I want to take this and that's sort of been my big picture. If you're still with, with me and you haven't hung up on this podcast yet or turned it off, um, either because you don't want to be listening to a political diatribe or because whether you agree or don't agree, I then want to turn it as I, you know, typically do that is more normative to me back to the internal. And what is it that makes us personally free? And as I've been, you know, talking with clients lately and certain issues have just been coming up and up again and again, not necessarily related to what's going on in the world, but just, you know, what goes on internally inside of us. Um, do we know what feeling free internally and as an individual human um, as our authentic selves actually means. If I'm free, what does that mean? If I'm free, does that mean perhaps that I can allow people to criticize me but not change my position or change what I do because I believe in it? If I'm free, does that mean that I can make choices that serve me and serve my family and serve my best interest and my values even if somebody else might think that it's the wrong choice, even if someone else might think it doesn't match their values, even if someone else might be unhappy about that. What does freedom mean to me? Does freedom mean being able to walk into a space and feel like I can show up as myself without having to put on a pretense? or someone else, or to fit in in the normative of what's going on in that community? What does it mean to be free? So as I said, I typically put out a podcast or newsletter about these topics around the 4th of July, but perhaps it's a good idea to put this out a few weeks in advance of it, because it gives us an opportunity to do some thinking about it. It gives us an opportunity to reflect on it and perhaps get a little bit more serious about what does it mean to us to be free? And where are we contributing to the diminishment of our own personal internal freedom, the freedom to be who we were born to be, the freedom to love who we want to love, the freedom to um, speak what's true in our hearts, the freedom to um, 
feel safe and at home inside our own skin. And the truth is, is that most of us have done things and do do things that limit that freedom. We limit it out of fear, fear of being criticized, fear of being ridiculed, fear of not be, fitting in, fear of what others will say, feel of the, fear of the sting of somebody's criticism or ridicule. And we actually limit our own sense of personal freedom. It's not even coming from others. We do it to ourselves. And so what would it mean as we are looking outwardly in our society and in our streets and thinking deeply about what does it mean to be free? What does it mean for the mother of a black young man to go to bed at night and perhaps feel as secure as the, a white mother of a young white man who goes to bed that her child will be safe in the morning? And then thinking to ourselves, what would it mean to wake up and feel free in my heart to be fully me without worrying about what someone else would say? And so I invite you to take on these questions. I invite you to do some reflection. And of course, I always love to hear what you have to say when I get emails and people are telling me their thoughts on these. I love to hear that. And as I'm closing up, I just want to um, let everybody know, let listeners know, not all of our listeners, in fact, many of our listeners are men, but we are running a program right now through Courage to be Curious in collaboration with Lasting Change Wellness called Women Leading with Productive Curiosity. And this program is explicitly about women finding their freedom through their voice. What does it mean for women to get courageously curious about the things that are most important to them in their life? And when we talk about women leading through productive curiosity, we talk about leading as the act of being a model and guiding others through your words, through your actions, and through your deeds. So a woman is often a leader in her family. She is often a leader at work. She is often a leader in her community. And she is often a leader in her deepest relationships. Because there is so much research that says how much, especially at home and in the communities, are influenced by the impact of women. And it, in the professional space, how much change can come. I mean, we only need to look to New Zealand to see this amazing woman leader there and the fact that they've basically eradicated coronavirus from their country um, under her leadership to see that women have, are leading in potential ways and have the, are leading in amazing ways and have the potential to keep growing that and growing that and that we need to keep growing that. So however you find yourself as a leader, in your life, in your relationships, in your community, in your home, or in your workplace. This program is for you because it is about how do we get productively and courageously curious in order to lead to our fullest potential. And so if you are interested in information on that program, the ways that you will find it is you will go to the Courage to be Curious website and actually sign up to get information. It's not posted on the website, but if you sign up on the bottom third to be on our email list, you will get that information. You can also go to my LinkedIn page, Adina Tovell, T-O-V-E-L-L, -L, and you will find information there. 
We are posting, we will be posting on Instagram and on, posted on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, and so you'll find information there. And if all else fails and you know that you need to be and want to be part of this program and bring your tribe along with you um, or your group of people that you love and are near and dear to you, go ahead and email me at adina at courage to be curious.com. And this program begins on June 22nd. That's really soon. That's in a few days. So if you are just hearing about this for the first time, do not delay. Let's get on this. Um, and let's get an email out to me. We'll get you registered right away. There are two cohorts, a morning cohort and an early afternoon cohort. No reason not to be able to join East Coast, West Coast, wherever you are, or in Europe because we have listeners from in Europe and in Asia and in South America too. So there is a time that should work um, given whatever time zone you are in. So thank you for listening today. Thank you for being part of the pursuit of getting courageously curious. And if you do want to have your own set of courageously curious questions to be thinking about, to be using at meetings, to be exploring with the fam your family and your home, then the Live, Lead, and Love with the Courage to be Curious card decks, each containing 52 questions, are found on the Courage to be Curious website, couragetobecurious.com, or at liveleadlovecourageously.com. Thank you for listening today, and we'll be back again next week with a pretty amazing episode where I'm going to be speaking with Elmer Dixon, who is the founder and president of Executive Diversity. And we're going to be talking really explicitly about unconscious bias. So come back and join us next week for that.